is Ryan. And this is Wayne. And this is Kill the Rabbit Podcast. So I had an interesting conversation with one of our listeners, Ian, who is um, a staple of the show, I would say, from day one. He, I always check in with him on how it's sounding and, and the content, and he had said that I'll deep dive and then everyone gets lost. That's it. That's what he says. And Including me. He's probably right. But that doesn't matter. Because I'll just <laughs> explain it to you. But I, when I deep dive, I will now preface things with an analogy or something. Because if I can't give you an analogy of what it is that I'm talking about, then it probably doesn't matter. Um, so he said that is one, um, some advice or some feedback. So I will heed that advice going forward. I looked at our statistics. We have listeners in Germany and France now, so that's awesome. Um, I've been putting the contact information, like my email address and my Twitter handle, so that they can get in touch with me with any comments or suggestions or topics that you would like us to talk about. Ian had stated that he thought it would be really cool if we discussed risk on the show, risk pertaining to jobs, risk pertaining to maybe promotions, or risk even running a business, which is probably more applicable in my life. Actually, all of it is applicable in my life. When I'm talking about risk, so the risk that I envision with regard to jobs is um, you're always kind of seeking out other opportunities, or not. maybe you're not seeking out opportunities. Opportunities come up throughout your career. And you have to decide, is it a good jump? Is it a bad jump? You know, is it worth the extra money? Is the money not enough? Yada, yada, yada. When I was young, I did not do as well with that decision, although I probably did better than most for my age. I, I'm really good at discerning a situation. So, recently, I was approached, and... It came down to brass tacks, and I just didn't see it as a viable option, even though it was more in line with something that I would like to do. Um, more relaxed. I guess it was more of like a startup community uh, or a startup style company, and I feel very attracted to those. But I think, like I said last week, I think that's because I want to do my own thing, and that really attracts me because I want to do my own startup, but that's the safe way of doing it but I don't reap any of the benefits, and the salary is actually lower. So that would be a risk. Right. Do you have any advice? Well, you and I have talked a lot about the money, the dollar sign thing when it came to job offers and taking risks and all that. And sometimes you can get blinded by the dollar signs. Um, sometimes, sometimes it's not a bad idea to jump to a certain job knowing that it's not exactly what you want to end up doing but you see it as a stepping stone in the direction that you want to go yes i think what happens to unfortunately to a lot of people is that they see the dollar signs but the they're being pulled in a direction that is way off course where they should be going so not yeah it's more money but uh if you're not careful you'll accrue a number of years in a in a job and the next time you want to look for a job and 
people look at your resume and say, oh, I see you've done this for the last five years. And you say, yeah, but no, but wait, 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 wait. That's not what I want to do. Well, why did you do that? You know? Well, and by the same token, in the contracting world, so I'm working contract right now, I've seen contractors jump ship every two or three months for more money. Hmm. And I've never been asked this question. Well, I've been asked this question once or twice. Why did you stay at this job for only three months, five months? Why did you leave? Why are you skipping around? So it be, it begins to matter as far as maybe it just doesn't meet their culture or maybe you're going to be here and gone in two months. Why would I hire you? So on the contrary, it's, you know, it's kind of hard to say now in this day and age because they say you should change jobs every two to three years. But I think these are the same people that said an egg is good for you. No eggs are bad. Salt's good. No salt's bad. No, I mean, no one can really decide. It's just kind of a, your own, this is your life path. And I think that's what I'm starting to realize in my own life is I keep looking for, I keep seeking advice from other people. When you realize nobody's life is like my life. Right. And everyone can't apply like what I've done in my life to their life. That I highly do not, I highly uh, disagree with that. Right. Your goal is is to find yourself in the, mm-hmm. in the direction that you ought to go. You factor in what other people say. Some of it's helpful, some of it's not. But in the end, do you really need to be on track with where you want to end up? I don't, you know, when you think about risk, I, I'm not a risk taker, okay? Um, I, I look at you, and you've prepared well. One of the things you've done in preparing well, working hard, studying, learning different programming languages, you've kind of positioned yourself to where you can be picky mm-hmm. because you're, you, you've got people that are calling you and asking you about opportunities that they'd like to offer you and so forth. And so you can be a little bit more picky. Some people out there can't. Yes. Um, they're, they've got bills to pay and, and so... Yes, they'd like to be over here, but for now, this is my skill set. This is my level of education. I can only do certain things. Um, Well, and a lot of this, so another risk would be vocationally learning a new skill. Right. That's a hard one, and it's really hard in my industry, as it probably is in yours, because technology moves so fast you're kind of fit to be tied with regard to what do I learn next? Like right now in programming, there are tons of schools of thought on everything from JavaScript to Go to Python to what's the best language. And I think that if you read the blogs, my advice, don't read the blogs for information. Don't read them for direction. They change their mind every Tuesday. Mm -hmm. JavaScript's coming out with a new framework every hour. Um, JavaScript in and of itself as a language is good, but it's not... I think they're trying to create these things or these frameworks and languages that maybe the best choice would be don't stick to what you know and maybe pay attention to other languages. Like you have Go, which is a new language out of Google. It's not new. It's as old as Node is, which is a JavaScript framework. Well, if you would pick your head up out of the sand, you'd probably see that Go may be a better option for you. But I looked at that before and said, "Mm, I don't know that I want to learn that skill. But from paying attention, which is hard because I kind of want to do my thing, I've learned that you have personal projects, and those go to town, do whatever you want to. All my personal projects are Python. My work projects, I'm literally converting 
this is funny, and I told you this would happen, I'm literally converting my Python code to C Sharp. Mm-hmm. My own code that I wrote myself. Now I'm getting paid to write it again in another language. But that's how it goes, right? Do you want a job, or do you want to play with Python? I can get another job in Python, but the job that I have right now is very... I'm sitting pretty. It's nice. So, and with this whole ordeal that I went up, went through with this other job and the startup and being next to that startup mentality and realizing that it's just that I want to do my own thing, that my job all of a sudden is fueling that passion financially. Does right. that make sense? Right. So now I'm paying attention to Go and saying, hmm, I should do that language. And hmm, I was right about Python. But even if I was wrong, sometimes you just kind of have to stick with what you know. And and I would advise specializing in an area over learning every new thing that comes out. Exactly. I don't think you're going to get as far as you think you are just because you're, you're coding in the latest language. Mm-hmm. Um, I think a lot of people in JavaScript with frameworks are getting burned on that because... I see a resume and I'm like, what's do ha- what's do hickey js or square js or space js, galaxy js, all these js frameworks that no one's heard of, but you're an expert in all of them. But that doesn't mm-hmm. tell me anything because it's so fragmented that I don't have a firm base. Like you know Microsoft, you know AutoCAD. I know what that is. That is a marketable, solid, has the staying power skill for the right. future. Right. So should you use, should you learn, uh, what is it called? Ratchet? 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 Rigid. Revit. R- Revit. Revit? <laughs> Revit. 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 R-E-V-I-T. Yeah, okay, a, Revit. It's AutoCAD 3D. So. That would be a skill that's beneficial into the future because right. industry is looking at it, right? Industry exactly. is not looking for Go programmers right now, but I know they will in the future. Mm-hmm. So learning to assess risk prior to taking a risk um, is smart, and I and I feel like I've never gotten screwed over. You're going to get screwed either way. You're going to make bad decisions, but you just kind of have to weigh, you know, try to be as smart as you can about it. Don't leave for more money. Um, even getting a promotion, like for myself, if I was promoted, it would be into a senior level role with probably managerial capacity. So I would have to watch other people. All of a sudden, I'm not programming anymore. I'm dealing with spreadsheets and doing meetings. More money, more prestige, less, um, I guess, further away from my passion. (laughs) Wise choice? I don't know. It's up to you. I know some guys that they're done with programming because they're tired of learning the new thing every day and they just kind of want to rest on their laurels. That's where that position may be applicable for you. Right. But I don't know. Do uh, Do you have any thoughts on that? Well, one of the things that I, I would throw into the mix, because it's a part of my personality, um, if you've got people out there that that are, are a little fearful of taking risks, uh, it's always good to have a certain level of fear or caution in taking a risk. But sometimes you, you find that you're making bad decisions because you're too afraid. Mm-hmm. And I think for myself... Uh, and this is something that's really kind of come up for me recently more. And and I use that word perseverance. I think I've talked about this before in one of our earlier podcasts. I don't remember. It doesn't matter. But there's perseverance is really in short supply out there. 
when people start looking at uh, undertaking a new task, taking a risk, uh, encountering a project or something that's really a mountain too high to see the top and they just kind of back away from it without ever persevering to see if they can get it going. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, I was one of those kind of people who would back away from those things. For instance, like in the case of me writing this book, uh, last last week we had our podcast, and after that I just determined, I said, you know, time is going by. I just really need to hang in there and work to see what can happen. And so I spent, I don't even know how many hours since we last met, and a lot of those hours were just spent thinking. Mm-hmm. And there was probably several days in which I would sit there for maybe an hour or two just trying to think about a particular problem in the book that I'm attempting to write and I actually had a breakthrough hmm. and and the thing that was so exciting about it was I realized that I haven't been really toughing it out long enough with problems now you tend to do that and I've heard you say that many times you'd get an, you'd encounter a problem and you had no clue where to go with it. And so instead of giving up or saying it can't be done, you just stuck with it and you thought and you thought and you thought because you had this underlying belief that if you hung in there, mm-hmm. the answer would eventually come to the service. And it and it did. Mm-hmm. And it mm-hmm. did. And you've gotten to the point now where you've gotten this, the pump is primed. And so now when you encounter new problems, you're kind of feeding off of previous scenarios where yeah it was tough in that last one but you worked it out didn't know what you were going to do but eventually the the answer came and and you've got this momentum going mm-hmm. well i got this momentum going i had this i'm i'm not underestimating this it was really an incredible breakthrough in the book and i had to make some changes in it because it just wasn't working the way i was doing it and it was it was really good but it all came about from just sweat Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Just sticking with it. And I, as we look at this issue of, of risk, some people aren't up for the risk because they're going to quit when the going gets tough. And if you look at some of the patterns of some people's lives, and really mine included, there are some times in my life when I should have stuck it out. Yeah, I should have hung in there and I would have benefited from that instead of writing a particular venture off and saying, well, I guess that's just not me. So I would just introduce that element into the risk of it. Are you a person who can persevere once you make that decision that you're going to take the leap and uh, take a risk and do something? Are you up for what it may cost you in just hanging in there until you can get some kind of a momentum going Mm -hmm. with it? Or knowing whether you're going to have a be able to push through right like you right. you break the sound barrier a little bit now i would go back you you were um you do need to do your homework before you take the risk obviously and like you say you make the best decision you can yeah technology is lickety split going down the road changing all the time but somewhere you have to stop and say i'm going to make a decision that i'm going to do this with the best knowledge that i can gather on this is that this is a wise choice for me to engage in so i'm going to sign up for this course or I'm going to study this program language or I'm going to do whatever Mm -hmm. and I'm just going to put the blinders on and I'm going to bear down and I'm going to do it 
uh, you do have to do your homework to make sure you're making a, a good, educated uh, decision on what you're going to do, obviously. Well, and sometimes, so um, I think it's NVIDIA. There's some large development shop or technology people, company, and they attack a problem, and if they can't solve it within a month, they drop it. And they either, or no, they do a reassessment. They either wait for the technology to progress enough for them to solve the problem, but they believe that if a problem is too hard to solve, we need to really consider why we're solving it. And so I take that to mean for myself, I push for that breakthrough moment, but I don't want to push so hard that I'm trying to squeeze, you know, what do you, you know, raisin juice or grape juice out of raisins or something. Right. Um, to get some, to try to grasp something or well, get something I, I, that's not there. I think that's a good point because, like when I, when I'm talking about perseverance, there is a point in which you have to ask yourself when it's been a good deal of time, how bad do I want to do this? Is this really going where I think it's going to go? Because mm-hmm. frankly, anytime you make a goal and, and set out, you really don't know what it's going to look like when you eventually arrive at the finish line. Mm-hmm. And, and there's various course corrections that you make along the way as you gain more information as you move toward that goal. Mm-hmm. But you, it may look entirely different than what you thought it was going to. And sometimes sometimes you either have to give up on it or make a, a left turn someplace because you discover that, no, this is not good for me to continue pursuing. So Well, and the risk can, it can be expanded upon, like, when I was younger... Risk would be um, run a stoplight, don't wear your seatbelt, do stupid things. You risk. did that kind of stuff? Yes. No, I, I, I wasn't a risk taker at all. So actually, <laughs> I still drive like a grandma. I'm 33 years old. I've never been in a car accident, never been in an altercation. I just, I my wife gets mad at me, or not mad at me, I should stop saying that. She's going to kill me because I, keep, I always say she's pissed or she gets mad. It's it's never, it's always negative connotations. But she's great. And she's I love a real her. witch to live with, right? <laughs> she's, no, she's We're awesome. going to get you in trouble tonight. She would say, why don't you make left turns? And I said, babe, you are statistically, there's a statistically higher chance of getting in an accident making a left turn on a two-way street with more than two lanes. You actually tell her this? Yes. Because if I can't see, if you know, you're making that left turn, that person's in front of you and you can't see the oncoming traffic, you know, some people are just like, uh, I feel like it's the right time. And they go. Mm-hmm. I never do that. I will literally go to the stoplight and do a U-turn. But I hate making left turns. And it stems from I hate putting myself in risky situations. Or, furthermore, to go deeper, I think it's that I hate putting myself in situations where I'm not in control. I do not deal well with that. I'm very regimented. I will place clothes out in certain positions so that I can more efficiently access them when I'm getting dressed. It's like psycho killer level. But I'm not OCD, apparently. She said that too. She's a psychologist, so she goes, you haven't been um, diagnosed, so you can't just openly state that you have OCD. Right. Or OCD, that you're OCD because you haven't been diagnosed and that's inappropriate. I was like, okay, okay, okay. (laughs) I don't have OCD. I'm undiagnosed. But I'm not like one of those people that are like, it has to be, you know, level or it has to match this, things like that. So for myself, with risk, um, I always get a, 
so that was when I was younger, right? Getting in car accidents, making risky decisions that, that almost had a direct, um, it was step one, take the risk. Step two was the consequence. Now, as you get older, I feel that you take a risk, but it's several steps down the road that you'll actually see the outcome, whether it's negative or positive. So I get approached being a developer and I'm sure for other developers, this happens to them because you are a maker because I can create things out of nothing, it fascinates people, which is awesome, right? It fascinates me. That's why I do it. But they think, hmm, Ryan can, Ryan's a programmer, therefore he can make apps, web apps, insert whatever technology here. That is not true, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. I'm not a hardware person. Like I've been approached for all kinds of things, right? And I always tell people, listen, I'm not trying to be rude, but you need to understand just because you have a million dollar idea that no one else has thought of, it doesn't mean that that is true. And it doesn't mean that it's actionable. So I have people come to me and they're like, hey, guess what? I want you to be my partner. I'm like, hey, what? Guess what? You're not bringing anything to the table. You gave me an idea, which is in and of itself, intrinsically worthless. And I'm not trying to be a Debbie Downer on it, but I learned from when I was young. When I was young, I would take on every single venture Mm -hmm. until I had zero time. And I had nothing to show for it. So now I'm very aggressive. And someone made a comment about this today when I sent an email. I was approached, idea, yada yada, long story short. I didn't decline but I sent a very stern, pointed email that pointed out each thing. Like, this is an idea. It does not mean it's actionable. This is a waste of my time. If you want to give me something like some semblance of a product that solves a problem and show me competition and how it's going to work in the market, we can talk. But I don't see any of that. And this person was like, yes, but I, he's talking about IoT. So Internet of Things, like turn the lights on and off, the locks on and off, the realm, the thing that I'm Mm -hmm. working on. This is the statistics for how big this market's going to be. I'm like, okay, where's the biggest market? Oh, government. Okay, if you've ever run a company, you know that that is the wrong answer. The government is cheap. They won't buy your product. They'll try to... It's just... No good. And if they do, they'll regulate it so highly that it will never make it outside of a... Oh, jeez. Yeah, exactly. So all your contracts as a software developer, you say that you own the software, but they're just renting it, or however you manage your contracts, they will get you on it. So anyway, I said, just because everyone is going over there doesn't mean that it's a wise business choice. Where you make your most money, nine times out of ten... And I only apply this because I've seen it so much in my life. I'm a developer in Houston, and I make more money, and there's less competition than if I lived in Austin, which actually has more development positions. Why? Because there's more students coming out of UT, and you can get them cheap. They don't have any experience. Who cares? They're cheap. Hire them. So that drives the salary expectation down. And I come to Houston. There's not as many developers here because it's oil and gas. So there's a lot of petroleum engineers, a lot of chemical engineers, not a whole lot of Python guys with GIS experience. I'm the bell of the ball here. Mm-hmm. Uh, I won. Now, 
I don't work at a super duper high, uh, I do, but not like Google, right? Whereas in Austin, you can work for super high tech companies, but does it really matter if your salary is lower and you had to kill yourself to get into the position and the day you get fired, it's going to be really hard. The day you quit or try to look for another job, it's going to be difficult because there's so much competition. No, thanks. I'm a little on the lazy side. So that's a risk that I took. And you would be taking a higher... I, I took the risk for my career to, to do what I did, me in Houston, right? Mm-hmm. So I said it would be better for us to go into a market where there's not a lot of competition. And we just have to only compete with two or three people, right? When you have this product idea. So I said, go find a product, go find a market, blah, blah, blah. But now that risk in my life has been averted because I don't take on fluff, as far as businesses or associations that I choose to be a part of. Yeah, you know, one, one of the things that comes to mind, because I'm the, and I'm going to talk just from my own personality, when I get really afraid of taking a risk on something, if I sit back and I look at it, it's usually because I don't have enough information. I've never done it before. Mm-hmm. I There's too many question marks and not enough certainty. I there's risk by nat- by its nature there's you know there's not certainty in it uh, there's a certain degree of certainty mm-hmm. but uh, it's only going to get just so high so you know I'm but not- you also have the rewards though of the risk right but I guess what I'm getting at is what has helped me in the past and I'll, I'll re- refer to my writing thing uh, several years ago your mom said hey look uh, if you think you'd like to write why don't you take a night course and I said oh, okay fine so I did I took a creative writing course and I was amazed at how much I didn't know mm-hmm. and how much I picked up from it and I got a lot of good counsel from the teacher and even some good feedback from the students and it was, wasn't always you know things I wanted to hear but it was what I needed to hear but what I was getting at in in doing this that helped me I opened my eyes up to, to more of the things I just didn't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I started writing this book, I my eyes got open to a whole lot of things I didn't know. And it became very difficult because I was thinking about character development and I was thinking about, um, you know, plot. I was thinking about, this is a lot different than writing a short story when you're talking about writing a book. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, a good assessment of what you don't know and then trying to get in some way exposing yourself to people who know courses whatever so you bring down the level of unknowns it makes it easier to take that risk it's always going to be a risk Mm -hmm. but I still think you need to do some things that will increase your knowledge of what you're thinking about doing expose you to it a little bit more uh, so that you know more. You may even get a better idea of how you should enter into that risk once you've you know, rubbed shoulders with some folks who are already doing it or can teach you a few things about it. Well, I mean, would that maybe that would be the risk of um, like being vulnerable. Like when I was super pissed off that I had to convert everything to C-sharp because I was like, no, because I'm an idealist, right? I'm a Python I'm a Python person, so I all Python and and was cocky Python. No, 
C sharp. Yeah. Now a lot of that was what I used to love C sharp. That's what I. That's one of my beginning languages. But maybe it was taking the risk of um, maybe I don't know everything. And that sounds stupid to say, but I feel like we have that preconceived notion a lot of the time when you've been in a space for a certain amount of time that you think, yeah, you can't do that. Yeah, but why? Well, I mean, I've always done it like this, and he always did it like this, and he said he's always done it like that, so it must be the right way when you may be doing it wrong, and so maybe is everybody else. Um, taking that risk to be vulnerable or open yourself up for to to learn new things, but really open yourself up to, to, to take that in. And now I, I just made the positive choice to say, I'm not going to buck this anymore. It, it doesn't, I don't have anything to gain aside from just getting fired right. for being insubordinate. Because at the end of the day, you don't work for yourself at this company. You work for someone else and you are there to do what they tell you to do, whether you like it or not. No one's arguing that you're talented, but you need to check yourself sometimes. And so I kind of had to check myself and, well, are you going to quit? No. Okay. Then what are you going to do? You're going to play nice. So I now play nice with this guy and the relationship is, is growing. And he, he'll make, he emailed me today and said, Hey man, great job. I see the code. You know, it made me feel good that I haven't written C sharp in like eight years, but all of a sudden I'm doing really well because it's not about knowing languages. It's about knowing higher level concepts that apply to software and how you can, uh, how they manifest themselves or how you can actually um, push those concepts through in each language. Like, how do you say this in Spanish? How do you say this in French? That type of um, mentality. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, and drawing those correlations with each other. But I, and, it, and it's been going well because, you know, you catch more flies with honey. Well, and. And essentially what you're saying is that I'm hearing is that being vulnerable, being open to criticism, you know, think about it. If you ask yourself, how open am I to criticism? Can I, can I take a shot if, you know, from somebody who's legitimately poking holes in what I'm saying or doing? Mm-hmm. And I need to be open to that. And a lot of people aren't. And so that's another factor in, in taking risks. You, you've got to put yourself in learning mode. Pride always kind of closes you up to listening, mm-hmm. to being open to others, even when the criticism isn't brought to you in a very nice way. You still have to be open to it because you're in learning mode if you're taking a risk. Well, and I think a lot of those traumatic, um, jolting times in your life is where you realize what you really think about yourself or yeah. or how you're doing or well and and I presented um in that kind of nature uh realizing that for the realm for instance right if I choose to make it a product it goes to people so I posted it right presented it kind of not I explained it a little bit to my friends um to my dismay no one knew anything of what I was talking about <laughs> And I realized, you know, it's not, it isn't ready uh, uh, to go to market. Um, You're getting in the hardware game, which is very difficult. I I look at Amazon Echo and it's, it's frustrating that, oh no, this is my competition. But I mean, Amazon's doing billions of dollars. Don't think that way, right? Think, do it because you love to do it. And, And I'm paying attention now 
um, I'm being more objective instead of um, being reactionary with what I'm reading and what I'm seeing as a put and how it threatens my product, which we don't know if it will be a product. Um, I'm looking at, so we had CES. So CES is the Consumer Electronics Show in Las Vegas. All the new, new stuff comes out, right? Like super ultra 4K, 5K TVs that you can stick on the wall. They're so thin, you can literally peel them off the wall. Wow. It's incredible. 55-inch, 75-inch TVs. Um, one of those things, the bell of the ball there, was the Amazon Echo. Now everyone's copying Amazon, and everyone's getting on Amazon's platform. And now Xfinity came out, which is Comcast's um, solution. And Carnival is coming out with a uh, an IoT or Internet of Things connected cruise ship so that you'll walk by with your little badge. And any monitor that you see, when you walk next to it, it will read your data and show you things that are pertinent to yourself based on your account. So like you walk up to a big monitor, it'll tell you, this is your itinerary for tomorrow, or this is what you have registered for your vacation trips or your little excursions. Great, right? Now, the thing that you're noticing and how that is possible is what's called a closed ecosystem IoT infrastructure. What that means is I have, it's what Apple has is called a, a walled garden. It's a, I have my things, you cannot play with me. So if you do Apple, you do all Apple. If you do Google, you do all Google. They don't play together. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So now everyone is getting on Amazon's operating system. And what the problem with that is, is now you have all these connected homes that are connected to Amazon. And if Amazon ever gets hacked into, who do you think is on that network? Yeah. So looking at that and paying attention to um, those types of things that are happening in the market and, and what I'm going to do and not do about it. And for myself, I've just kind of decided, just keep working on your thing and just do it because it's fun and stop stopping and reevaluating if it's the best technology because technology is constantly changing and you're going to find all these new things that you can put in there and you just really need to reassess why you're doing it and you're doing it for you so just do it for you and that's valuable so doing it for yourself so with risk i guess we're about done um for myself like i said taking the risk to be vulnerable and and do this new thing at work. Um, doing one thing at a time. So I'm still working on that thing uh, to try to finish it in a few months. That's going slow, but I feel that that's just because I'm a really good starter, but just keeping up the inertia is difficult for me. So I'm working at doing better at that and just doing a little bit at a time, you know? So. That's what I was just saying. I wanted to give an update on this thing. So I haven't touched the realm because that's not, I'm not going to work on that for like a good four months. I'm still working on the other thing. I went back to the basics. I'm still working through the tutorials, which is really frustrating because I feel like I'm in kindergarten. But you have to know the basics if you're going to build on it. And I'm taking that risk that that's a good choice. Um, But I don't know. Did you have anything else on risk? I've already shared that I... I made a real breakthrough this last week, which involved actually eliminating one key character in my book entirely. Mm. Gone. It was me. Uh, it was huh? me. It was you, yeah. It was me. Um, <laughs> no. <laughs> you're no longer in the book. Um, 
Did you get the urge to kill other characters too? Is it going to be like yeah, a monologue felt, throughout the entire really, book? It felt really good. I, I, you know, I <laughs> virtually killed people. Um, no, it was it was a very uh, freeing feeling because I was trying to realize that I was trying to play around with getting this thing off the ground, and I had too many people on the plane. And it mm-hmm. was, I had to get rid of some baggage. Because it, it wasn't going to fly anywhere that way. It was mm-hmm. going to cause more problems than it was worth, and I just eliminated that. But again, going back to the amount of time that I persevered through this to just come up with uh, something that I didn't really know what I was doing. I just needed to really sit and just think about it. And that was really good. I, I had another little epiphany as I was doing this, and and that is there's a te- I have a tendency to... Uh, well, let's see, how would you say that? And so I look on the internet and I see how somebody else says that. And the temptation is one to copy the way they said it. And then you realize that, you know, do you, do you not have any faith in, mm-hmm. in the way you say things? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's okay to get other people's ideas about how to say things and everything else so it paints a picture for you. But then the idea is not to duplicate what they do, but just to learn from the way they're doing it and begin to think that way Mm -hmm. and incorporate it into your own style of writing. And so that that was, that was encouraging for me. uh, Well, that's a really cool. So that's a really cool thing that you bring up, right? So the email that I sent where I hammered this guy on this business plan, right? That was hard to send because I'm a people pleaser. I don't want to piss anyone off. But I'm st- I, you start to feel like, like for instance, I'm looking at buying another car, a sports car. So I'm asking everybody, do you like this? Do you like this? Do you like this? Do you like this? Well, I like this. That one sucks. This one's better. I'm like, okay, well, you know, what am I going to do? And then I realize, you know what? You're buying the stupid car. Why are you asking all these people for advice when you know the answer? The answer is, do what you want. Stop listening to everybody else. Well, particularly people who haven't bought a sports car. Yeah. The ones that talk to you are the ones that bought one, and they know what to look out for on certain things. And so that gives you a little bit of a caution as you're buying a certain type of car. But people all have different uh, preferences about mm-hmm. stuff, and you certainly don't want to make a decision based on someone else's you know, personal preferences. That Well, and I think it's me not wanting to take that risk, but, but at the same time, it's... And even in, as an extension to my my career and my life, I've been writing in my journal. I've been working on writing on my journal every day, just like we're working on doing this podcast every week because it's therapeutic. Whether anyone listens or not, we want people to listen. But if they didn't, yeah, did you hear that we out there? Do we it don't on care if own. anyone's listening. We're just doing it for us. Okay? Ian listens. <laughs> oh, Ian, that's, that's all that matters. Right. That's right. Um, so I'll have to ask Ian what he wants us to talk about next week. <laughs> the um, for myself though, I've learned. You know what? you do you right i was looking at node and i was like man maybe i should swap the back end out on realm for node no just do and then what happened the sanic library came out and then beats the pants off node on on speed and sanic is python you have good gut feelings right my my gut reaction to things you can trust it right you've been programming for 20 years you know these things you've seen these things before and learning to just to be a little bit more um, I, I think in the earlier stages of your life, it is good to seek out wisdom from those that know more than you do. But there's a certain point in your life where you kind of have to put your big boy pants on and you have to make those decisions yourself and everybody else's opinion if you, out the door. If you ever get to the point where when somebody asks you, 
what do you like? And you either don't know or you mimic something that somebody mm-hmm. else likes, then you've you've kind of lost a part of yourself. Well, you're not living your life. Yeah. Right? And I'm, I, you know, I'm looking at these other jobs, and I'm just like, well, I guess that would be nice. And it's like, wh- are you trying to please the recruiter? The recruiter doesn't care about you. The company doesn't care about you. You have to make the decisions for yourself. That's right. But So next week, I'm not sure what we'll talk about. I'll pick something appropriate. <laughs> we'll have to check with our we'll listeners to Ian. see what they want us we'll to check talk with about. Ian on what we're going to talk about. But I, but I wanted to kind of give a, an update on the continuity of things because I think the podcast is, you know, more so a journey. You're recharging. You're getting back on track with the book. I'm still persevering and going in, in first gear, which I hate because I want to be going 80 miles an hour, forcing myself to not go as fast. Um, Let me say one one thing to help people. Is, is they're thinking about doing whatever they're going to do. I will say, bar none, the thing that has helped me the most is doing it with someone else. Mm-hmm. Anytime I've tried to do something on my own, and particularly when I purposely kept it hidden from other people that I was attempting to do something, right off the bat, you've kind of hamstrung yourself that you really don't want to do it as bad. Uh-huh. Because entering into it with someone else, just like what we're doing, is encouraging it's opening yourself up to criticism it's getting you to really ask the question how bad do i really want to do this um that's a really interesting thought because you have groups of entrepreneurs they pretty much already run companies or have an idea of a company that they want most of the people that are like us that are you know pre-entrepreneur those are things you work on in your basement and you don't show anybody. So that's a really interesting concept of possibly, you know, even with the podcast, what if we built some type of a, a community around that? Mm-hmm. That's why I'm giving my email address and my Twitter handle so you can reach out. If there was an opportunity to kind of bring them into the fold of us all talking about the things that we're working on, because I think there's a lot of people a surprising amount of people that have hobbies and passions that they work on that no one knows about that maybe with the benefit of that community and that talking and sharing things, um, they could take that, they to could the do next it level. and take action yeah. on it. That's a really good idea. Yeah. We'll have to think about that more, but, um, okay, then we'll keep going and keep trying and life goes on. Yes, it does. <laughs> yes, it does. We'll see you next week. righty. See you later. Bye.